Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east come to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Ju- Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For, for out of all of you shall come a ruler who, ha- who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may ha- come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And then they had opened their treasures They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Many of you remember um, my brother-in-law, Stephanie's brother, Chuck Jr., and um, Barbie and their kids, Leah, Sadie, and Laban. Uh, uh, am I not on? Is this, we were working on it. Is it working now? We thought it was working. No. I'm going to have to stand behind the pulpit again. Guess we should have tested this. All right. Let me say that again. Uh, you remember my brother-in-law. All right. Okay. And their kids, uh, Leah, Sadie, and Laban. Uh, about, um, I don't know how long ago it was, but a number of months ago, uh, Sadie married a man named Tristan. And Tristan, earlier this year, joined the Air Force. As uh, he was in tech school, they presented him with his deployment choices, so to speak. Those of you who have been in the military, you may know how this works. But what they did to Tristan, they said, after tech school, we're going to ship you off to your deployment. And they gave him about six cities within the United States to choose from. They wanted him to rank them in order of one through six in his preference. Well, it comes to, uh, they came to realize that some of the places they wanted was Dayton, Dayton Air Force Base, which would have been really close to the family. I know there's also Tennessee. I think there's one in Florida. Um, but a few months ago, Tristan found out where he was going, 
and it turns out it's not their first choice. It's not their second choice. It's not their third choice. It's not their fourth choice, nor their fifth choice, nor their final sixth choice. Turns out that the Air Force was sending them to Germany. Yeah. Those of you laughing have been in the military before, I can just tell. Two weeks ago, Tristan left to go to Germany. And this past Monday, Sadie left to join him. Needless to say, this was not what they or the family had in mind. I want to speak to you today about expectations. Expectations. While I'm thinking of it, you might be able to hear it. Um, If I do not shake your hands after the service, do not get offended. I am fighting a cold, all right? So uh, be mindful of that. Who among us does not go through life with certain expectations only to find at times that reality can often be quite the opposite? But it's funny how our expectations control so much of what we do. Some of you may remember the name Helen Hayes. Uh, She was an actress back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And she tells a story about the first time that she ever tried to cook a turkey uh, on her own. She explains that she was not a very good cook, but after several years of marriage, she was ready to try cooking a turkey on her own. She sat her husband and her son down and she said this. Now look, this may not come out exactly the way that we want If it's not good, don't say a thing. We'll just stand up from the table and go to the nearest restaurant and eat. In a few minutes, Helen walked into the dining room with the turkey, and there was her husband and son standing with their coats and their hats on, (laughs) ready to go. Isn't it funny how our expectations control so much of what we do? In our passage that Jenna so eloquently read today, we're dealing with the Magi and the wise men from the East. A lot of speculation has been given about these men and who were they. By the way, how many Magi were they? Were there? Ah, you don't want to answer that, do you? Uh, We don't know. Um, we just assume there were three because of the gifts, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that there were three wise men. Uh, because they followed a star, many think that they were astrologers or astronomers from uh, Mesopotamia or Babylon or Persia or someplace off in the Far East. The meaning of the word magi or mag, yeah, Wise man translates into one of these, one of great power, rule and knowledge, one who is very wise, a captain, a chief, a governor, those in positions of being prominent advisors. According to those definitions, the Old Testament character of Daniel would be described as a magi and as a wise man. 
Wise men are not exclusive to the Christmas story. The Bible mentions pagan and heathen wise men and God-fearing ones as well. Suffice to say, whoever these men were, they were very powerful, very influential. Men who were used to being in positions of great authority as well as being in the presence of kings and palaces and kingdoms and places of royalty. Now, based on our passage in Luke, I think we can presume that these men were expecting to find a king and his kingdom. Which might be one of the reasons why they stopped in Jerusalem. Which is, uh, they probably heard about the stories of the great King David reigning in Jerusalem. However, I think we can also presume, knowing the background of wise men, I think we can also presume that what the wise men encountered when they first saw the baby Jesus was quite different than what they were expecting. Keep in mind, these men were men of great prominence and importance. They were used to dealing with dignitaries and other great public figures of the world. And as they approached the place where the Christ child would be, they were probably expecting great pomp and circumstance and celebration, a palace, throne and a kingdom. Instead, they found themselves standing in the midst of a stable. A stinky, smelly, disgusting stable where more than likely their feet were standing in straw mixed with dirt, maybe even mixed with some of the dung of the animals that were in that area. Now wonder what was going through their minds as they saw the baby Jesus. I have a question for you today. What happens when you follow a star and you end up in a stable? What happens when you follow a star and end up in a stable? What happens when you expect to find a king on a throne, but instead you find a baby in an animal trough? Or more important for you and I this morning, what do you do when you expect one thing in life, only to find the reality is nothing like what you had planned? Every single one of us here this morning have at one point in time followed a star. We've had great expectations, high hopes for how something would turn out in life. Only to be gravely disappointed as we come upon a stable. A stinky, smelly, disgusting, discouraging stable of our life. What do I mean by that? Someone in here this morning did not get the job that you were hoping to get. Or maybe you were passed up for a job promotion where you work. Your dream marriage has been more of a nightmare. Those of you, perhaps some of you who have approached retirement age, when it comes time to retire, you look and there's not quite the amount of money that you thought was going to be there at the time of retirement. What is your stable this morning? Someone who has expected one thing, but the reality has been completely different. 
Some of you may know this person. Her name is Laura Story. An odd last name, isn't it? But that is her real last name, Story. Laura Story. Grammy Award winning artist. Laura Story was living the dream. She wrote the number one worship hit song, Indescribable, that was recorded by Chris Tomlin back in 2004. She married a handsome athlete named Martin the next year and began working in music and women's ministry in the 4,000-member Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia. After signing an artist deal with INO Records for 2008, National Debut won a Dove Award for Inspirational Album and earned Laura two consecutive nominations for Female Vocalist of the Year. She has been blessed indeed. But amidst that success, a brain tumor hospitalized her husband in 2006, leaving him with no short-term memory, limited eyesight, plus other significant complications. Since that time, Laura has been put through the unexpected fires of fear and loneliness. The fairy tale life that she dreamed of disappeared. Because most newlyweds don't imagine they're made in an ICU unit being kept alive by breathing machines. What do you do when your star leads you to a stable? By looking at our passage this morning, church, we can learn some lessons from the wise men in times like this. Three things I want to share with you this morning. When the wise men found a stable, they looked for God. If you're taking notes, when the wise men found a stable, they looked for God. Wise men of every age, when handed a difficult situation, they don't panic. They hold steady because they know that God is somewhere in their stable of life. You see, the Bible is filled with characters like this. We look at the character Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his own flesh and blood. Then he was sold into slavery. Landed in jail because he was falsely accused while working in Potiphar's house. He experienced one setback after another, but God finally made him prime minister of Egypt. When his brothers came back to him begging in their time of need, Joseph told them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You see, Joseph had the ability to see God in his stable. Let's look at Job. Job, a man who did no wrong, was a righteous man, one day found himself sitting on an ash heap. There he was going through persecution, loss of family, loss of fortune. Friends who first tried to help help him, but then turned against him and eventually left him. Then his health became tragic, leaving his wife to look at him and say, why don't you just curse God and die? What do we see Job do? Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, Job had the ability to see God in his stable. 
We can look at characters like King David or the Apostle Paul. They, too, had expectations and only to have them crushed and destroyed. All experienced stables in their life, yet through it all, especially if you look at the Psalms, you can see where the psalmist David, he sought God. If you look at a lot of the writings of David, when he's going through something difficult, what he does, he will start off lamenting. He will almost sound like he's whining and complaining, but what he's doing, he's pouring his heart out to God. But notice something when David speaks like this, he always comes back in the end to God. He always comes back putting his faith and trust in God. David was one who sought God in all the stables of his life. I can't help but believe I'm speaking to someone here this morning. You're living in the reality of disappointed dreams, of disappointed expectations. Life has not gone exactly the way you think it should go. And what are you going to do? Look at the wise men. They looked for God. Someone once said that weak Christians see God in only the good, but strong Christians see God in both the good and the bad. Although it may take time and it may take a season of testing, a season of life, in the end, the mature believes that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes. This morning, the wise will look to God in the midst of their stable. Number two. When the wise men found a stable, I like this, they still offered God their best. They still offered God their best. What about us? Whenever things don't go quite the way we want them to go, boy, this is easy to preach, easy to stand behind this desk and say these words. It's hard to uh, live the way we need to live, though, sometimes. What about us? Too often, even in the good times, we fail to give God our best. Then when we find ourselves in a stable of time of discouragement, an unexpected difficulty, we're often tempted to just shut it down and refuse to give God anything, much less our best. What did the wise men do? What did the wise men give Most know that they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But did you realize that those three gifts were the standard gifts that were given to kings and kingdoms? Let's break this down. Gold, most of us know about. Gold, gold itself is symbolic of kings and kingdoms. Gold was the metal God instructed Moses to use when erecting and building the first tabernacle in the wilderness. Much of the utensils and the furniture was to be made of pure gold or overlaid with pure gold. Gold was and still is the most precious, most valuable, most sought after of all the metals. And when the kings presented this to Jesus, the wise men were acknowledging his kingship, his lordship. They were giving him their very best. Maybe some of you have never really looked into frankincense. Actually, I think I have this anointing oil here. 
made of frankincense and myrrh. So if you're wondering what that feels like and smells like, you can come see me later. Frankincense. It's kind of what it looks like in some of the pure form. Frankincense is a perfume, an incense of the highest quality. Very expensive because of the labor-intensive steps that are taken to produce it. In the Old Testament, God instructed the Israelites to use frankincense to make the incense that that will be burned and offered up to the Lord as a, quote, pure and holy offering. We also see myrrh. That's what myrrh looks like. Myrrh, a highly prized and expensive spice used in various ways. It's used as another perfume, used as an anointing oil, and it's also used as an embalming chemical. Isn't that interesting? Needless to say, even though the wise men did not find themselves in a traditional palace or a kingly atmosphere, they still gave their very best. And I want us to look at something. I was was reading through this story that we've read how many times in our life? Hundreds of times. Pick something out in verse 11. Notice something in verse 11 with me. It says, and when they had come into the house, no doubt that they found, not what they were expecting, but here they are in this odd environment. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. This struck me the other day. In the midst of their stable, the stinky, smelly stable, right where they were, they dropped to their knees and they worshipped the Lord. They worshipped. Oh, let this be a lesson to us, church. A lesson to us for unexpected, our unexpected trials of life. That when we're in a place that we do not expect, that we do not intend to be, a place that we don't want to be, may we look at the wise men and just drop to our knees where we're at and worship the Lord. Giving him and others our best right where we are. Someone in here might not want to hear that because your flesh wants to do one thing and you're stable of life. But God is calling you to drop where you're at and worship him in the midst of it all. What is our best? The wise men still gave Jesus their best. What is our best? Look, you and I both know that we're, when we're in a difficult time of life, you know whether or not you're giving God your best. Or as Francis Chan has recently told us in our study, you know when you're giving God your leftovers. Say amen or ouch, right? What is our best? Our best is our devotion to him. Our best is being faithful to Jesus day in and day out. Our best is staying in the word and staying on our knees. Our best is staying plugged into the life of the church. Our best is loving others. Our best is staying positive and optimistic. Trusting God will not leave you in your stable of life for forever. That's number two. Wise men will give God their best in the midst of their stable. Number three. Number three. Wise men allow their stables to even change 
their directions in life. Wise men allow their stables to even change their directions in life. If you look at verse 12 of our passage, it tells us, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. You see, the wise men expected to leave the same way they came. But God wanted them to change directions and leave another way. God very well may want us to change directions in our life. And he may be using a stable and an horse to get it to change. Just because you find yourself standing in an ugly, stinky stable of life does not mean that God is not there, church. Let me say that again. Just because you find yourself standing in the midst of an ugly, dirty, stinky, smelly time of life doesn't mean that God is not with you. The wise men were exactly where God wanted them to be. Your stable in life may be exactly where God wants you to be as long as you will look to him and give God your best. As long as you will look for God in the midst of your stable and as long as you will give him your gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you'll give him your best. As long as you will drop where you're at and worship the Lord. He's there. He's there. Sometimes our stables could be a divine, sovereign influence from God. Getting us to change. We don't like change, do we? Nobody here likes change. Sometimes our stables could be a divine, sovereign influence from God. Getting us to change. We just need to be willing to see things the way God sees things. Be willing to see things the way, they, the way God sees things. Back in 1809, much of the European world was engulfed in war against France's first emperor, Napoleon. As Napoleon marched across much of Europe, all the people could think about was war and the massive advances he was making. But little did the world realize what else was occurring in that same year of 1809. Let me read a passage from this book. It says, Over a century ago, men were following with bated breath the march of Napoleon and waiting feverishly for news of the war. And all the while, in their own homes, babies were being born. But who could think about babies? Everybody was thinking about battles. But in one year, there stole into the world a host of heroes. Gladstone was born in Liverpool, England, and Tennyson at Summersby, England. Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Massachusetts. That very same year, Abraham Lincoln drew his first breath in old Kentucky. And the music was enriched by the birth of Felix Mendelssohn in Hamburg, Germany. But nobody thought about the babies. Everybody was thinking about battles, yet which of the battles of 1809 mattered more than the babies that were born in 1809? We fancy that God can only manage his world through the big battalions of life, 
when all the while he is doing it through the beautiful babies that are being born into the world. When a wrong once writing and a truth once preaching or a continent once opening, God sends a baby into the world to do it. And where do you find God on Christmas? In a manger. A baby was born at the heart of the Roman Empire that when the Roman Empire would crumble and fall, that baby who would become a man would also become a savior of the world. You see, you never know when life's biggest blessings will take place in the midst of life's biggest stables. Someone here this morning right now, you're saying, okay, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I don't feel it. I just don't feel it. The wise men may not have felt it. They were used to being in places of great prominence and kings and palaces. And there they are standing and yuck. They did it anyways. They gave, gave God their best. You never know when life's biggest blessings will take place in the midst of life's biggest stables, life's biggest disappointments and setbacks. Be willing to allow God to help you along the way, even change you along the way. Listen, your stable may actually be God's way of you changing directions in your life. Maybe there's someone here this morning, you need to change directions in life. Maybe God is allowing some kind of a disappointment in your life in order to get you to change or move in another direction altogether. Or, let me read this so I make sure I get it right. Or maybe God wants you to stay in your stable for the time being, but he wants you to change your heart in order to accomplish his goal for your life. Maybe God wants you to stay in your stable, but he wants you to change your heart in order to accomplish his goal for your life. Listen, if Christmas is about anything, it's about a baby. It's about God's baby, born in a stable who changed the world forever. When we come to those stables in our lives, those places and times that we do not want to be. Let us be like the wise men. Let's remember to look to God. Let's remember to give God our best. Let's remember to drop to our knees where we are at and worship the Lord. And that's be willing to allow God to change us, to change our directions change our mindset, change our hearts along the way. I end with going back to the story of Lara's story. I told you earlier that Lara's star led her and her husband to an ICU unit where the tumor in her husband's brain would leave him with no short-term memory. As a matter of fact, she even tells a story that when he came out of surgery and looked at her, he had no idea who she was. Can you imagine wives looking at your husband and him saying, who are you? Trying to convince him that you are his wife. He did not even know that they were married. To this day, her husband was not, has not received complete healing 
We like those kind of stories, don't we? Whenever we hear the miraculous happen, sometimes life is not like that. If you don't know much about this girl, get her music, get online and watch her testimony. She is an amazing lady. They've not received a complete healing, and she continues to deal with a husband that has incredible challenges. But I have to tell you that Lara's story is a wise woman. Through her stable, she has looked to God, worshipped him right where she's at. She has given him her best. And she's even allowed God to change her. This is what she said in response, just a, a portion of what she has said. Quote, life is filled with things that you don't expect. But the Bible tells us to respond by trusting God and continuing to worship him. This is how faith works, and God has proven to be faithful. We have truly been blessed out of a circumstance that at first did not seem like much of a blessing at all. Some of you may have heard this, but I'm going to conclude this morning, and I'm going to play a song, probably a song that she's most famous for. This is a song that she wrote out of the trial of her and her husband, and it's called Blessings. If there is something in your life this morning, you're at a stable. You're at a disappointing place in time in life. Life is nothing what you've expected it to be. Follow the wise men. Look to God. Continue to give God your best. Worship him where you're at and allow him to change your circumstances, and your heart. Would you bow your heads, please? God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we can look at a passage that we have read, if not thousands of times, at least hundreds of times, Lord. God, I ask that if there's anyone here this morning, they find themselves in an ugly stinky, smelly, disgusting, stable of life, and they're just trying to hold on. God, may they look to you, the author and the finisher of their faith. God, even though they may not feel like it, may they give you their best. May they decide, as Laura's story decided, and that we'll hear in just a few moments, may they decide to worship you in, midst, in the midst of it all. And Father, maybe you're wanting to do some changing in hearts and lives this morning. Maybe there's someone here that just needs to make a move, needs to make a change. Or Lord, more importantly, maybe there's someone in here that needs to stay where they're at, allow you to help them in their stable, but allow you to change their hearts. May it be done. May it be so. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace. 
Comfort for family Protection while we sleep We pray for healing For prosperity We pray for your mighty hand To ease our suffering All the while You hear each spoken need Yet love is way too much To give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops What if your healing comes through tears What if a thousand sleepless nights Are what it takes to know you're near What if trials of this life Are your mercies in disguise Pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. And we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love. As if every promise from your word is not.
stress this out. Um, I just want to pray for you, pray with you. Is there anyone here that just with an uplifted hand you would acknowledge that you're in a stable of life right now? There's one, two, three, four. There's hands going up all over. Thank you. I see that hand. God sees that hand. Thank you. Thank you. You're in a stable of life and you're kind of struggling looking to the wise men this morning for advice. And really the wise men are going to point us to Jesus. Let me pray with you, Father God. Lord, a message like this typically hits somebody and Lord, it's hit all of us in one way or another. And God, I know that there are those that may have come to church this morning. Lord, they're hurting. Uh, They may be smiling, they may be uh, putting on a mask, putting on a front, but Lord, they're going through a stable, they're going through a difficult time, a time that they did not want, a time that they did not intend to have come upon them. But Lord, here they are nonetheless. God, you're giving them right now an opportunity, right there in their seat, wherever they're at. Lord, may they look to you. God, don't look to... Don't first go to a spouse. Don't first go to a family member or a friend or go to a help book or go to this or that. Lord, may they first go to you. This morning, Father, where they're at, may they go to you looking for wisdom and guidance. That's what Joseph did. That's what Job did. That's what so many in your word have done down through the years. They look to you. And God, what's difficult is whenever we have looked to you and you have not immediately brought us out of our stable, God... We understand sometimes you allow us to stay there. But God, may they look to you. Lord, this next part's kind of hard because now may they give you their best. We don't want to give you our best whenever we're discouraged and when we're hurting. But Lord, may they give you their love. May they give you their devotion. May they give you their life once again, that no matter what is happening, you are in control. Give them that assurance. Give them that reassurance, that blessed assurance that you are still in control of their life, Lord, and that they can give you their best. God, may they worship you right now. May they thank you where they're at. May they lift up praise to to you, Jesus. We know that that's part of the key is to worship you, is to love you, is to praise you in the midst of our stable, in the midst of our difficulty. In the midst of our discouragement, God, may those that raise their hands this morning decide with their head, decide with their hearts that they're going to worship you no matter what. They're going to say what Job said. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Ah, Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to praise him no matter what. May they do it right where they're at. And God... If there's any changing that you want them to do, I pray that they'll say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way where the spirit leads. And when your spirit speaks to them, Lord, with their whole heart, will they agree that their answer and their actions will be yes, Lord, yes. Lord, thank you. Lord, I thank you that we can come here this morning and we can leave different than when we came. Lord, give victory, give that joy that Pastor Kevin was reading about earlier. Lord, thank you that we can rejoice in who you are in our lives today. God, would you move? May people here this morning, those who raise their hands, may they make that determination in their heart that they're going to do what they know they need to do. They're going to give their very best, trusting 
that one of these days they're going to look back at their stable. We love you, God. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for being here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Kevin, did you have any closing announcements or anything? Would you please stand? Um, Thank you. God bless you uh, for coming. And just while I'm here, I'll just go ahead and dismiss you. Um, The five-minute rule, I've talked to you about this before. And, uh, you know, if if any of you all that, you know, you raised your hand.